You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode number 105. Mark Fletch Fletcher. Classic Restos, Australia. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, meet Australian television personality and car show host, March Fletcher. Fletch, as he's known by his thousands of fans all over the world, has a larger-than-life personality. With his deep knowledge of classic vehicles and a social, approachable nature, he makes friends instantly no matter on what continent he is filming his car show. With over 600 episodes broadcast across television networks in four countries, Fletch has been entertaining his viewers with his wit and charm since 2006. Right along to hear of the amazing places he's been to interview car owners from New Zealand to the islands of the South Pacific to Route 66 and even to the fairgrounds of Carlisle events. It's time to go down under, mates. So let's get revved up. Hello and welcome back, Cubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren, and this is episode 105. We're going to be talking to our friend in New South Wales, Australia, Fletch. And so excited for you to, uh, to meet this dear friend, an all-around outstanding car guy. Uh, as you'll hear, Fletch knows classic cars and he knows people inside and out. In fact, not only does he produce and host one of the most popular television programs in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, he is definitely an uplifting, positive, and just high-energy person that brings, quite honestly, happiness to all corners of the globe. In fact, you may not know this, but Fletch has been the voice of many businesses, commercials, and customer service on whole messages and beyond, and uh, he has done a lot of media work. So strap in, you're going to have a ton of fun with this week's guest. But first, let's get into some business. Special thanks and shout-out to our friends at Porsche Mechanicsburg. By the way, in speaking with the general manager of Porsche Mechanicsburg by email this week, the Porsche Taycan launch event that was going to be held at the Country Club of Harrisburg, originally scheduled for May 8th, will be rescheduled due to the pandemic situation. So stay tuned on that. And as far as the car show season in Carlisle, the current situation has certainly had an impact there. I have Mike Garland, the public relations manager at Carlisle Events, on the line. Hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for giving the CFC community the latest news on the 2020 Carlisle event show season. It's been a real roller coaster, hasn't it? I'll tell you what, Darren. It has been quite a spring so far for the team at Carlisle events. This whole COVID-19 thing has really flipped the script on what we all accept as normal. And I think that once we get going forward with car show stuff this summer, we're going to see some necessary changes, but we also hope to have the same kind of fun. The reality is I'm actually connecting today because we just announced the change in dates of the Carlisle Ford Nationals. Usually this event takes place early in June, but due to everything that's going on, we've moved the show to July 31st 
through August 2nd. That means a new gate-and-go deadline as well of June 22nd. So Ford Weekend becomes yet another car show casualty, if you will, being rescheduled from early June to July 31st through August 2nd. Additional schedule changes for us, Darren. Spring Carlisle and its auction. That now happens in mid-June. Spring runs June 17th through June 20th. The auction is June 18th and June 19th. We do a summer sale auction in June, and this year only we have canceled that auction. The summer sale auction will return to the schedule in 2021, and the Import and Performance Nationals event, which was originally scheduled to take place in mid-May, is now taking place in August, August 14th through the 16th at the fairgrounds. But people can get all the info on our season schedule Everything's a little out of whack this year now, but go to carlisleevents.com and that's where you will get a full rundown on everything that's going on with the car shows at Carlisle this year. And we're working on some cool incentives to further encourage folks to want to come out. We'll have those details once completed as well on the website, carlisleevents.com. Thanks, man. I hope this was useful. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. So everybody, this week's trivia question will honor Australia in the sense that uh, Mark Fletcher, our guest, Fletch, is from Australia. So, question stands as this. What is the name of the car brand that formerly manufactured cars in Australia? And I will give you a hint. For decades now, a major U.S. car manufacturer has had a significant financial stake in this company. And to our global listeners, you know that we've been each week trying to uh, do a shout out to a country or countries uh, that have been following us among the 44 around the world of the Cars of Carlisle fan club, the the Cubers. And this week, we're going to give a nod to our friends in Brazil and Portugal. So at the closing of this episode, listen for me as I do my very best in Portuguese. I don't know about that, but we'll give it a shot. And one more point of business to talk about. We are, I've been talking a little bit about the virtual car show that we've been working on. We are working in partnership with two other companies. That is Motor Girl Studios and Carlisle Customs Classics and Coachworks. And this is going to be called the Courage, C-O-U-R-A-G-E, Car Show. And that's going to be held on May 23rd. That's the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. The COURAGE acronym stands for Car Owners United Rallying Against Global Epidemics, and it's essentially just a virtual car show, and there are many out there. This is going to be putting 100% of all proceeds to a particular charity, and that is Feeding America. We want to support Feeding America in the sense that they have over 100 food banks throughout the United States. So all the advertising, the award plaques, everything, the celebrity forums, everything is being provided by the, the team the committee that's running this, uh, of which I'm part of that, and uh, everything is all 100% of the, the funds raised by the sponsorship and by individual donations are going directly to Feeding America. So definitely check that out. Go to our website, www.carsofcarlisle.com. Click on the Pennsylvania license plate in the upper left corner of the splash page, and you can walk right through each of the, uh, the steps. We'll get you through the gates of the virtual car show, and would love to have you be part of that along with uh, your car or cars enter those in very small donations we'll get you part of this and everything like i said is going 100 percent to feeding america and helping those less fortunate can't wait to have you be part of that all right so for now let's head to australia and talk to fletch 
Hello, Cars of Carlisle fans. This is Darren, and I am with Mark Fletcher tonight. Fletch, how are you? Fantastic, Darren. And you know what? A very extra special meaning for me to talk to you, knowing that you're at Carlisle. I've got a, a very soft spot for Carlisle, Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I go back a long way with Carlisle and the people there. Love you guys. It's a, a pleasure to uh, to meet up with you. Well, thank you so very much. For the listeners uh, and and. As uh, Fletch and I have been talking, the listenership to Cars of Carlisle podcast is all over the world. So we're talking to Fletch tonight, or it's actually 7.30 p.m. Eastern here in the U.S., in Carlisle, USA. And Fletch, for you, it is 9.30 in the morning in New South Wales, correct? Absolutely. I've been up since 5 a.m. because I had to I had to look good for you, Darren. I had to get on the good, uh, the good uh, Yes, it's the uh, Fletch being a fine stance of a man that he is. He, he has to get his apparel on and talk to such a, a fine gentleman as yourself. Well, you are. Uh, we're on uh, a Skype, so audio, of course, it's audio for my listenership. But I'm telling you, Fletch looks dapper. He's got his sport coat on and everything. So, <laughs> Yes, and I have to admire that. That's a... That's 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 a nice shirt that you've got on too, Darren. <laughs> it, it, I, I love your doors in the background, the paint the paint scheme there in the room. It's kind of like as I'm on there. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. For those in the U.S. that may not know, uh, Classic Restos is a show that you've been doing 13 years now, somewhere in the 550 episodes. Am I right? Am I or close on the stats? Yeah, it's actually uh, over 600 episodes okay. now, Darren, and uh, around 14 years of production. Okay. And uh, so, talking of Carlisle, around about 40 episodes have been done uh, through uh, Carlisle events. I have to mention Carlisle events. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, I go way back with Carlisle and being an integral part uh, of promoting them. And, of course, the owners, uh, Lance and Bill Miller mm-hmm. uh, of Carlisle. And uh, I've got some, some deep roots that go back there. And i um, very proud to say that over those years, um, there's yeah, around the 40 episodes have been produced out of Carlisle. And while I was in Carlisle as well, over those six years, it gave me... Uh, some opportunity between shows to um, to go and film, you know, the odd person or a museum or something as well. So it was all about showcasing Carlisle and, uh, yeah, helping to get Carlisle even more so on the map. Well, and we thank you. In fact, I was just watching an episode, um, I think it was episode 7, part 2, was uh, uh, November 12th of 2012. And in that, a fellow Aussie walks up to you on camera and they had learned of Carlisle through your previous year's visit to Carlisle and then made it a goal of theirs to get to stateside and to see what Corvettes at Carlisle was all about, which I thought that was really great how your show opened a door to people who then thought, I'm going to make the trip all the way to Pennsylvania and the United States to see this. Yeah, it's a long way to go to get a cup of sugar. <laughs> Or a quart of oil. <laughs> what, what amazed me, when, when I first started going to Carlisle events, uh, when you look at uh, a country the size of the United States where you're a little bit larger in land mass than here in Australia, but you've got like 12 times our population, which uh, stands for a lot of stuff. So let's look at the visual side for a second, all the, the producers that you have there, the TV shows that you have there. Right, right. And I knocked on the door of Carlisle, and at that point... There wasn't one TV show doing regular episodes there for them. So I was actually the first guy from Australia to 
get through that gate of Carlisle and do two episodes for their Ford show, two episodes for the GM show, and two episodes for the Chrysler Nationals, and that happened for that six years in a row. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've got to say, I even to this day, I, I feel very proud of that. Um, uh, there might be other people there now doing a bit of filming, whatever, but to me, that doesn't matter. It, it's kind of right. like, you know, there's, there's no points for second. You know what That's I mean? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's well-earned. And in fact, uh, I know with the situation right now in the pandemic that affects all of us, no matter where we are, uh, it could very well curtail some things. But would love to have, uh, have you back over and, and certainly – from a native standpoint, you know a lot about this town and about the, the car culture here, but glad to open even more doors for you and perhaps get you exposure to a lot of the guests that have been on this show and, and perhaps it could be good fodder for uh, Classic Restos. Absolutely, uh, and, and that uh, is, is beautiful to know because um, my time is not done there. Um, I could walk into Carlisle tomorrow and, and feel it was just like yesterday, and, and, and that's a fantastic report. Um, so it's the same with New Zealand. Classic Restos goes to New Zealand. It goes to the islands of the South Pacific. Um, I think I've got uh, the last cannibal there uh, waiting and watching the show. You know, uh, there's a man on the pedal box there. Yeah generating the power as someone <laughs> awaits, you know, oil with underneath, you know, and that guy with his last meal, he gets to watch classic restos, which I think is beautiful. It uh, is, it is. It's, it brings a tear to the eye. <laughs> not half as much as the tear in his eyes. <laughs> That's right. He earns that meal. <laughs> uh, well, talk a little bit about, I mean, I know you've been in, in really um, kind of the show business and everything from a very, very young age. One of the things I, I found interesting as I did some research on you in the bio is the fact all the commercials you've written and produced and acted in, uh, the different voices you can do from that of a child to a female to an older curmudgeon of a gentleman and and you know, just even voice impersonations. Obviously, you're just a great entertainer and, and I've, I've watched, of course, I use YouTube as my, uh, class, my means to see classic restos. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed even just to see the different styles and, and the places you've visited. In fact, I know that, um, uh, the Isabella and Marcus foundation, that was a, a recent episode of yours. And the fact that it is hosted, run by families that have been directly impacted and you're doing such good things for that. And we may care to talk a little bit about how you got your start. How did you know you were a bit of a car nut? When did it all come to come to a boiling head for you? Fletch. Uh, well, just uh, a little bit quickly about the uh, the Isabella and yes, Marcus Foundation. Uh, if there's one show that I do every year that that hits the heart, it has to be that one. Mm -hmm. And a lot of car shows, Darren, they stand for great stuff. 99.9% .9 of them are for charities, and the money goes to those charities. And, okay, Fletch goes along. Fletch does an episode of Classic Restos. It helps promote that event so that more people turn up next year, which hopefully that, that adds to the to the charity side of it. Mm -hmm. um, pardon me. The Isabella and Marcus Foundation, though, um, for a car show to be ran by parents, not car clubs, but by parents, and that's why it's the only show of its kind uh, for Classic Restos. It actually works that way, uh, whereas other shows are put on by car clubs, which makes sense. Of course. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, for parents that have lost children to put on this show, and that started with something like about 70 cars back in 2010. They've moved their premises three times because it just keeps growing mm. and growing. And now uh, they're at a beautiful field where it's in two sections, and even that now is spilling over from people. Wow. And um, wow. Classic Resta, well, I've been there 90% of those years. So sure, I'm, sure. well, well, I'll be... Might be all of them. I might have missed one year in the very <laughs> beginning. I don't know, but I'm, okay. I'm pretty well there for all of it. <clears> sure. Um, but, but yeah, the, the entertaining side of things with myself, I mainly in school, I, I got sent out of class for, for actually disrupting the class. That, that was really the biggest thing I used to get in trouble for at school. <laughs> the teachers knew you. I, I was basically a pain in the ass. <laughs> PETA, as the acronym goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah um there was a i think i was about um five or six years of age and i was at this hall at a, at a suburb of sydney and uh we um in australia in the early uh, in the early like 70s we had a we we call um we, we've got jelly but you guys it's different jelly in australia is like a uh, a gelatin, you know, that you're having mm-hmm. a bowl, you put some ice cream with it if you okay, want. Okay. Well, you, you guys over there, if you say jelly, that means like what we call jam, what you, what you smear on your toast, yeah. right? Right, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the song back in the day to advertise the jelly was uh, I like aeroplane jelly and this was part of a, the, the TV commercial so they asked these kids to get up on stage and sing the I like aeroplane jelly song and I, I think I was the youngest kid there whatever and I got up in in front of a couple of hundred people sang this song and um, I don't know the family got a big box of uh, jelly we, we had jelly for like 12 months after that that was you know um, so I can say that my first prize for doing anything in front of people Darren was a whole box of jello <laughs> that's good <laughs> so and over the years things haven't changed much <laughs> that's right you still, payday brings out even more jello so Still working for Jello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. When did you have that epiphany or that moment that you just knew? Um, and I know you've been an entrepreneur and in business for yourself for 25 years or more at this point. But when did you know that something that was vehicle or car or transportation related was going to be where your future was? Well, I started off in the 80s. I worked for companies for 10 years. Uh, like a lot of people, you get up in the morning and go to work and you, you, you work for the company. And uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, always strive in those fields and, uh, you know, do well. But where it started was like uh, at a party on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, ring the, they'd listen to the radio station. You know how you go to a party and the radio would be on, you know. Um, they say, do a voice, Fletch. Everyone say, do a voice, Fletch. Ring, ring the radio station, do a voice. So I'd ring the radio station, do a voice. And, you know, the radio station guy, the DJ, would say something like, hey, that's, that's really cool. Hey, look, can you ring me back next Saturday night? And so I guess back in the 80s, I started then writing comedy to suit the voices and started on radio. Um, I wanted to get into television, but forget it because you can't just get into television unless unless you're a well-known sporting personality or, you know, you've just got out of jail from killing somebody. No one wants to know you. Hmm. And you've really got to do something extraordinary for a TV network to say, we want that guy. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, because I got more knockbacks than you'd care to believe, mm-hmm. instead of giving up, I thought, okay, if the major networks don't want me, I'll just start doing my own productions and I'll go around the outside of a lot of you. Mm. And uh, I can remember saying to a major network in around 1991, I think, I said, I want to present for your TV show. And uh, they said, yeah, you and thousands of others. Mm. And I said, yes, but the difference is in 25 years, I'm still going to be here. Ah, good. And you are. Absolutely. And it's just something that it doesn't matter about what I do or what anyone does in a career. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. If you want to achieve, you just have to grab that ball and run with it and never give up. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't matter what field you're in. Uh, that's my best advice to anybody. Mm-hmm. You, you, you want to dangle the carrot in front of yourself hard enough, you, you will get to that goal one day. So I did everything in those years to establish myself to get up to classic restos. So there was telephone on hold messages for companies. I had over a thousand of those that I scripted and voiced. There was corporate DVDs back in those days where, mm-hmm. you know, a company would give you a, a presentation mm-hmm. on a DVD to produce. I think then I went to websites and sure, I don't sure. know if any company care for that much these days now. Um, there was the knocking on the doors of companies writing radio commercials and I'd go and voice those for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing car shows where I'd turn up and do the show on a DVD and you'd sell it back to the car club with like 50 copies. Okay. So there was entertainment at clubs uh, twice, three times a week where suit and tie and you'd turn up and do the promotional roles at our clubs here. Might have been raffling a chook, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, right, right. A couple hundred people, right? So... Without putting it asleep and boring your audience, this went on for years and years and years and years until 2005 where someone said, Fletch, why don't you put some of your car stuff on a certain TV network? And it went from there. All right. Outstanding. Well, for those that uh, haven't been familiar with that, I encourage any listener, no matter where, what country they're in, to definitely check out Plastic Restos. Uh, talk a little bit about the those early years, sort of the – building your your following building your base uh getting your foot in the door with events how did you uh because one of the things that i can say that i'm not the first to say this by any means but anyone who has spent time watching your show uh it's the warm personality it's the fact that you can step up to anyone uh they feel very comfortable in just a matter of moments uh, to share a story about the vehicle you um you create a, a real bond and a rapport, approachability that then they begin to open up and talk about, this was my grandfather's car, I have a memory of this, and whatever it might be, that people feel very, very um, instantly connected to you with that. And that's that's a, a major tribute to your personality and the fact that you make people feel very warm and accepted from the moment you put that microphone near their, their mouth, which is great. Well, thank you, Darren. That They're lovely words. Uh, I think we all have a gift at some level. Uh, we're, all, we're all technically good at something. Mm-hmm. And um, if, uh, if there's something that I have been born with, okay, in my case, is the communication gene and, and mm-hmm. um, being able to communicate with people. And that, that's something that I do enjoy doing. Um, 
and it's a funny thing you can you can turn up and talk to somebody and within 10 minutes you know half their life story so sure. sometimes people can uh, confide in you to the point they feel that comfortable uh, where wow look you know it takes me I have to allow nine hours to film to get about an hour and a half of footage mm. So it takes me nine hours to get an hour and a half of footage, and out of that hour and a half of footage, I'll get a 26-minute TV episode out of it. Wow. And that's basically the ratio. So you, you have to allow that nine hours because in that nine hours, that's people coming up to you, people wanting to talk to you. Um, I feel sorry for the ones that if I'm walking through a crowd because I've got no crew, so I'm carrying my camera, my, my tripod, my, my gear, and I'm walking through the crowd. I feel sorry for the people that have walked the other way and have said, hi, Fletch, and I haven't heard them. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yet I, I would hate to think, oh, he's a, he's, he's a rude bastard. I said hi to him, and he just ignored mm-hmm. me. You know, So, sure. I mean, that's on your mind as well. And you think, well, but you can't please everybody, but uh, I always mm-hmm. make time for people, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, and it's, it's one of the things that I think that resonates, and, and um, certainly your fan base is all over. I mean, the fact that you've made friends wherever you've traveled. Do you have uh, do you have a point in your life where you knew that you were just had this car bug like we all talk about? Because I know in that interview in back in 2012, uh, Lance Miller, to, to paraphrase him, said something along the lines of, he said, uh, I have motor oil pumping through my veins. I'm just, just a car nut through and through. When did, did you ever have a moment where you just knew at a young age or whenever that you were truly a car fan? Yeah, when I was a young kid, uh, I was never I never played sport. Okay. I was never in the sport. Uh, you, I'll tell you now, Darren, you would not want me on your team. <laughs> okay. You would not, not want that. Uh, the, other, the other team would because I'd probably end up giving the ball to them. <laughs> but um, I, was always, I was always mechanically minded. So we had uh, – were you familiar with Meccano? With the, the, uh, uh, like a, a metal piece set that you used to put bits together and make things as a kid. No, no. We, it was actually came from England many years okay, ago. Okay. It was this uh, kit stuff that you used to build things out of, right? Okay. So when a lot of kids might have been out in the yard kicking a ball, I was in my room building stuff. Engineering, and yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing the stuff I was making then and the things you'd learn like ratios with Uh, cogwheels and making little gearboxes and things like that. It's amazing how that knowledge from an early age of seven or eight, I use that knowledge now when we talk about diff ratios and understanding how a driveline works in a car and all this type of thing. So I always had this interest of of cars and uh, I grew up with, with cars like all of us. We all had cars around us. Mm-hmm. And um, there was just something about cars that stuck with me. My first words as a child when I started speaking were car-related words. They were actually gas stations. I used to know the names <laughs> of the gas stations. Wow. And, yeah, they were my first words. I'd point and say the name of the gas station. So, <laughs> yes, it goes back a bit of an illness from a long a long time ago, oh, yeah. Darren, yes. Oh, we all suffer from it. It's chronic, yeah. we get. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. I totally get it. Well, what are some of your your fondest memories of? Obviously, you're uh, you do so much of your own work and and put a lot of your your sweat and toil into it. But in those early years, uh, when now you have it's 2005, you're getting the classic restos up and going. Talk about maybe those first 12, 18, 24 months. Certainly, trying to get established. What are some yeah. of the? What did you go through? It it takes. Uh, 
it takes years to get established and it's almost like years and years of having to prove yourself um it's like as though nobody wants to pay you anything nobody really wants to know you but if you aggravate them long enough you wear them down and then well they start realizing what you can do and um and, and until they realize what you can do it's your responsibility never to give up in the meantime right. so you've got that you've got the combination of wearing them down slowly and them getting to know you and then in the background you keep on going as well mm-hmm. so in the early days it's about getting sponsorship now sponsorship is is selling and i'm used to selling i've, I've been i've been selling i don't know over 35 years so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm used to selling so when i was told in 2005 uh i had the idea for classic restos and i thought to myself you know what i'll get a mate's car i'll get a buddy's car and we'll film it and we'll do a bit of a prototype and i'll send it away to this station and see what they say so we did this demo sent it away they rang me a few days later they said love it start sending us episodes and I was like, yes, I, this is it. This this is my opportunity. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, how do we go with funding? They said, ah, there's no funding, buddy. You get your sponsors and that's how you're going to make your, your living and that's how your costs are going to be covered. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I had to get sponsorship. So then I was knocking on the door of a company or companies trying to get money. They didn't know me. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They, who, who the hell was this guy? Mm-hmm. But uh, I just kept going and going, and two companies believed in me from day one, and one of those companies I still have 14 years later. Now, and that, that, of course, is Shannon's Insurance. They mm-hmm. are just amazing. Yes. Well, and I wanted to take a moment, and I know if, I just uh, for your, is it Pace Farm Eggs, Hair uh, and Forbes Machinery House, the other? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, we also have a Gunlow Concrete. Uh, we have a, 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 a big concrete company here in New South Wales as well. Okay. And of course, Shannon. So basically, really quickly, Pace Farms Eggs is interesting because people say, how come you got eggs on the show? And the thing is this, look, you know, there's a very special reason why there's eggs on the show. Number one, we all like eggs. Well, most of us do. And secondly, the guy that owns that company collects classic trucks. Uh... And his name... His name is Frank Pace, and okay. he's an absolute gentleman. Um, he's on the World Egg Board. I mean, Frank, what he doesn't know about the industry uh, is no one's business. He, he's an, an amazing guy. Now, I went to Frank's place about seven years ago, and I filmed some of his classic trucks, and we did an episode at Frank's personal house. And Frank was so impressed with what I did there, he has then supported me with the show wow. ever since. That's br- so that's where the Pace Farm eggs come from. Um, Hair and Forbes Machinery House, brilliant company. They've been around since 1930. Uh, I knocked on their door about probably four or five years ago, uh, and they've been hanging in there with me ever since as well. Um, and they've got a whole heap of cool stuff. You know, the name says it all. Uh, so you can buy online. What type of things do they sell? Heavy equipment? Oh, Tools. Yeah, tools. Yeah, okay. I mean, okay. it's, uh, if you go to uh, machineryhouse.com.au, uh, you'll, you'll see there's so much stuff that they do. It's their 90th anniversary at the moment as well, which is a huge accolade for them too. Mm-hmm. And the way it's going, with the way we're going with, with, with products these days and selling, uh, to be able to support people, keep them all going, and yeah, that's that's the name of the game as well. Um, so they've been great, and they've got a huge array of stuff. It's the sort of place, Darren, where... 
when you walk through their door, you do the impulsive spend. You know, you, <laughs> you walk out, you walk out with stuff you didn't even intend to buy. Sure, you didn't even know you needed. Yep. That's it. And then, of course, the Shannons, well, you know, that goes without saying. Shannons are great. Um, and because uh, it goes back with a, a guy by the name of Robert Shannon who started the company, and he wanted to look after the little guy with a classic car. So, in other words, a little bit like myself, he wanted to go around the outside of the big players and, and, and have his own insurance company to look after the little guy. I see. And, and that attitude of uh, Shannon's, still infiltrates today that that same passion is there to try and look after the little guy with their classic bike car or a classic truck mm -hmm. right and that's it's really us the little guys that make it all tick and, ha and happen so that's good to hear about that so obviously those first 12 24 months and really every every year since uh since then it's about what i'm hearing fletch is it's about the hustle it's just really knocking doors and getting out there and working hard every single day it's you know it's um i don't want to make it just sound like it's about me anyone listening to you to your podcast darren that's been in business will know exactly what i'm talking about mm -hmm. uh it can be tough um not so much for uh the stage i'm at now uh everything's just rolling along nicely these days but goodness me, it's been a reflection uh, of over 30 years uh, to get to the point that I am now. If it's a culmination of uh, everything that's been done over the decades. Um, you still can't be complacent, um, but I'm not going through what I used to for many, many years in that establishment period. You'd lose sponsors. They'd let you know a week before the end of the series. You had a week to get another sponsor. The stress was... The stress was, was really hard. Uh, and back in those days too, you know, a young family trying to, you know, build houses and pay off a house and you've got, you know, the, the family pressures as well of finances mm -hmm. and all mm -hmm. that type of thing. And mm -hmm. here you are self-employed and you're trying to get through every week. And, you know, some weeks were fantastic. You'd rub your hands together and say, well, I would never, ever get paid this amount of money working for a boss. But then you'd have other weeks where you wish that probably you had half that amount payable to you sure. from a boss sure. so you had to ride the lows and enjoy the highs but just try and stay balanced and uh uh no matter what came along i went through and came out the other side um here i am now right, right. well outstanding and that's for an entrepreneur like myself that's in that first two years i i turn to people like you and, and draw inspiration because I know it takes a lot of uh, diligence and persistence and and you have to, like you said, lead yourself with that carrot. I mean, we haven't missed a, a week in over two and a quarter years uh, and you just you just make it happen. You set your schedule and you, and you just keep plugging ahead. I, I believe that, Darren. The thing is, I, you'll never hear me use the word luck when, mm -hmm. when I talk business. Mm -hmm. You'll never hear me word luck i don't believe there's any such thing as luck because anything that good comes to you you have made that happen yes um if if, if someone comes on and gives you an opportunity that's from your efforts that you have done in the past it's not luck yeah. it's about 10 years 15 years it's about what you've got to do to make that happen mm -hmm. um you know luck luck might be opening up the door of your car and you look down and there's a there's a $20 bill down the curb and you pick it up and put that in your right. pocket. That might be 
that might be sure, called some sure. luck. But then you'll find on that same day something will cost you twenty bucks. <laughs> right, right. Easily, the washing machine goes out. Now it's two hundred, three hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah. No, I hear you. I do believe that uh, everything that we do, uh, whether it's uh, anything, a uh, sport, career, uh, whatever you're into, sure. uh, it all comes back to how much effort you want to put into what you're going to get out of it. That's right. So, imagine that uh, as you were getting more comfortable building in the sponsorship, building your your contacts, you're now going to different events. They're getting to understand who you are. Classic Restos is becoming more widely viewed and known. How did you scale? How did you grow? How did you expand your 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 business enterprise, Fletch? Um, funny enough, the the first network was in Sydney, and um, there was a community TV station. And I thought community TV station. I thought, how good is this going to be? I tell you what, never underestimate the power of a community TV station. And okay. I'll tell you why. Whether it's a fishing show, whether it's a cooking show, whether it's a car show. Anyone that's interested in any subject whatsoever, they don't care what channel it is. Right, right. So if it's not a big mainstream channel and it's a smaller community channel, if people can tune to that station every week, they will be there. And I had huge audiences, really, really big audiences there. And that was happening in Sydney. And about four days later, I got a call from the affiliate network in Melbourne and they said, we believe that you're giving this car show to, uh, to, uh, to Sydney. And I said, yeah. And they said, we, we would like that. <laughs> and I said, sure, you can have that. So next thing I had Sydney and Melbourne. And wow. then I thought, hang on a second. If this station's in Sydney and Melbourne, what about Adelaide, Brisbane and Perth? So straight away, <laughs> online, found out their numbers, called them up. Yes, there was one there, you know. And then within a week, every cap city in Australia was running classic restos. Wow. So, and then I thought to myself, well, what about the bigger picture? What about New Zealand? Well, there's always the United States. There's always you guys. The, you guys here were always in the background. I, sure. I wanted to get to the United States. I, I had this thing in me to get to you guys. But I thought, righto, baby steps. Sometimes they're baby steps. I <laughs> tend to go. I tend to go for the jugular sometimes, just go bang, straight in and, and, and make that call, you know. Um, so well, there was a very, very good friend of mine uh, that, uh, that that I met, uh, actually, uh, in Fiji. We were on holidays, and he was telling me about the car fraternity in New Zealand and how big the car fraternity was there. And I was blown away because, with all due respects to our wonderful Ki Kiwi neighbours, I had no idea that the car game in New Zealand was as strong as it was, still is. And so anyway, um, contacts there uh, for uh, the Ameri Americana event started. And then next thing you know, I was going over to New Zealand every year and doing an Americana event, which Darren would blow you away. Do you know that this event celebrates you guys? It celebrates the American lifestyle. Wow. And a lot of Americans don't even know this happens. New Zealand have an event once a year called Americana that celebrates the American lifestyle. Isn't that that means they dress up in the Uncle Sam outfit, American cars. Okay. Yeah. And so I go and film that every year, and I've oh, been wow. doing that for, I don't know, 11 years or something. Now. Wow. No, I was not aware. I truly wasn't. So... 
And then, uh, of course, there was the phone call to uh, a fellow by the name of Ed Bezeski at um, Carlisle Events. Now, I believe that was around about 2009 that I called Ed. Okay. And, yeah, Ed what a great guy from a bar of soap. And he, uh, he listened <laughs> to what I had to say, and uh, he covered my uh, accommodation tab. I self-funded the trip to go over there with wow. a, a very good friend of mine by the name of Jeff who's a local guy here that came with me that trip. So I self-funded that just to um, make myself known. And uh, Ed got me through the door there, and that's how I started there with Carlisle. Well, Ed Bezeski is a special guy. In fact, he is... Uh, I've been introduced to Chrysler and Mopar clubs, and uh, he, he's just a walking encyclopedia. He is. Mm-hmm. He is an amazing guy, and there's something like what I love about Ed. He's so calming to talk to. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard him raise his voice. He's just, he's got a, a very nice mannerism of, mm-hmm. about him, and, mm-hmm. and that certainly reflects in his job. Um, people respect him mm-hmm. as uh, technically the uh, the manager of one of the, if not the largest Chrysler show on the planet. Yes, and that. And that is something that is a massive accolade. It's a massive accolade to Ed Bezeski himself and, of course, to Lance and Bill Miller at Carl mm-hmm. Olivetsch. Mm-hmm. True. Here, here to that. I totally agree. Are there elements then, as you began to expand, obviously you went uh, to New Zealand, you hit all the... What happened next? Did you, how did, what was the next growth step for Classic Restos? Uh, well, I thought to myself, well, what about what about London? What mm. about Papua New Guinea getting back to the cannibal in the hot pot, you know? Yeah. Uh, getting his hot pot fired up with the, the last man in there. Uh, <laughs> what about these little islands in the South Pacific? What about Canada? Uh, all these places. Um, so I knocked on the doors there. Um, now, we've got Mav TV in Canada doing a wonderful job for Classic Restos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much of Canada, but apparently there's a large part of Canada now on Mav, M-A-V TV. Uh, so and I'm Classic familiar. Rest- I'm actually very familiar because I took my Corvette into uh, participated in the Rally North America, which Mav TV actually covered that last July. So. I'm right. I'm very familiar with Mav TV. They they had a I had a I had a corporate sponsor sticker Mav TV on the on the back of the vet, so I know all about it. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. Well, that that really is cool. Um, so they're doing a great job there, and the show goes to London each week. But I get emails sometimes from Ireland and places in Europe, and I'm thinking, I, it's it's now at the stage where I don't really know where the show is going. Sure. So one of the hardest questions to answer is. From a company, how many people watch your show each week? Yeah. Yeah. I can never enter that. Yeah. I can never enter that. Yeah. And because you know how it's such a ratings world, it's such a yeah. numbers world, it's yeah. such a figures world. And I just reverse that and say, well, look, I can't give you any accurate figures, but if a TV show goes for 14 years and I still retain my sponsors, there should be enough evidence there to uh, yeah. feel, you know, make you feel secure yeah. in either yeah. having me come along and wearing some expense to get me there. Sure, sure. I think that's extremely well articulated, yes. And to me, that a lot of these uh, shows, no matter what they are, that may do very, very well, they could be a flash in the pan. They may uh, do great for two or three seasons, and then they fizzle out, and the next thing comes along. 
It's very rare to see something that lasts over 10 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think from a company perspective, too, with sponsorship, is you can't have the mindset that just because you sponsor someone that your phone is going to run off the hook the next day. It's, right. a, it's a momentum thing where people in the psyche remember who the sponsors are. Yes. People at what Classic West goes, okay, oh, eggs, they think of Pace Farm. Oh, tools, they think of ah. Machinery House. They might only go to Machinery House once or twice a year, but the fact is they went there. Right, right, exactly. Well said. Now, are there other elements and development points or milestones uh, that you'd like to mention about Classic Restos and how it's uh, approached this current era, if you will? Uh, Darren, I've got to say that you are the first international podcast. It's an honor to speak to you. So there you go. There's an accolade for Classic Restos. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All these years and all these episodes, I get to talk to, to you, Darren, but not only do I get to talk to you, it goes back to Carlisle as well, which is extra special too. Sure. Well, and I, if I may interject for a moment, I always, in my bio and in on the website, I always say that I'm fortunate to live in what I feel is the epicenter of the swap meet world. Uh, the fact that in 1974, uh, Bill Miller too, Chip Miller, they created something amazing. And it is, uh, I, I remember when I was in uh, my early years, I was maybe 10, 12 years old, walking around the, the fairgrounds with my father and some of his friends and uncle or two. And before uh, credit cards were, of course, everyday use as they are now, it was nothing to see someone from the Netherlands or Germany with a briefcase and it would be handcuffed to the wrist. And as a young inquisitive kid, I'd say to my dad, why is that briefcase handcuffed to his wrist? And my father would say, well, he probably has 150 or $200,000 cash in it. You know, and, and that individual will be purchasing cars and shipping them uh, across the pond back to Europe or whatever it might be. And then at that young age, I realized, wow, that's all happening here in Little Carlisle. So. Absolutely. There's a lot of cash in that briefcase. Uh, otherwise, he really values his sandwich. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, a swap mate. Well, that's just the uh, reflection of our cars, isn't it? And that's uh, another note, too, I guess, where Classic Restos. What is Classic Restos about? Well, Classic Restos is about uh, interviewing the owner or the, uh, I guess, the temporary custodian of a, cl- of a classic vehicle. Um, classic vehicles, I believe, they, they have a soul. I, I really believe that, and that's a subject for another day, but I, I believe that. Um, and the stories that come along with the cars are amazing as well. What I like, the challenge is, one challenge might be from someone that you talk to is, uh, are you into cars? No, I'm not into cars. Do I, no, I've got no interest in cars. And what you say to those people is, okay, um, when, you, when you cast your mind back, when you're a little boy or a little girl, is there a car that you remember? Can you at least answer that for me? Mm-hmm. And they will always say, Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was an early Holden that my mm. uncle had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to have that car? Would you like to have that Holden now in your garage? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right, mm-hmm. you've got them mm-hmm. now. You've just mm-hmm. transformed this person that had no interest in classic cars right. to then, tr- uh, then trigger at least a passion zone to be interested in that vehicle. What you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and that's what Classic Resto is about. It's about um, 
finding out what history you can. I love the history of the vehicle. Uh, if you're there with your, your Corvette and I'm interviewing you, Darren, and you can tell me about uh, the dealership, uh, you know, uh, up at Allentown that it was sold in or, or it had been around Allentown for 25 years and mm-hmm. it sat in a barn. That's the stuff. <laughs> That's the stuff I find intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what your your viewership loves and, and I enjoy about your show. Uh, it's that provenance. It's and to your point of a vehicle having a, a spirit of soul. It just uh, it speaks to you. It and I love how you are able to pry that out of someone. We've all been on first dates. There likely was a car involved. We all remember riding around in the back of a station wagon as a child or uh, and a big bench seat of a grandfather's large, larger than life car, or whatever. And and when you you tell people those things, you can almost go back and smell the leather. You can smell the upholstery. You you can viscerally go back to that moment in time. We had in Australia, we had what was called a panel van, which was kind of like a. You guys didn't actually get panel vans. You got station wagons, but the panel vans they're kind of like a station wagon without any glass in them. They're ah. they're just a blank van that uh, was attached with the uh, with a, a car front so to speak so we're, we're not talking a Chevy van or a Ford van we're talking a car but on the back we've got an enclosed section okay now they were aimed at our youth market um, they put a mattress in the back they put the surfboards on the top they park them at the beach yeah, you got it, Darren. There's probably half of Australia's population was conceived in the back of those damn things. <laughs> There's one thing. As a parent with a daughter, you never wanted to see one of those uh, wagons pull up in your driveway. That's right. That's right. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> so we had, we had those, we had those panel, what we call a panel van. Um, in light of the American vehicle, though, and this is where it gets back to television and movies, see, about 80 5% of our television uh, in the 70s here in Australia was American content. So we, we grew up with, you know, being, um, being hit with all this American stuff. And it's the movies you guys did. And it's all the TV shows. It's MASH. It's the Brady Bunch. It's, the, you know, it's Hogan's Heroes. It's mm-hmm. a whole list of TV shows. We were continually bombarded with American content. And what came with that? was, of course, your police shows, your Hawaii Five-O, your yes. Dirty Harry, all this sort of stuff, right? which came with big cars. Yes. And we, we didn't get those big full-size cars sold here in Australia. We, the people that had money could get a hold of them, but at dealership level walking off the street, you just didn't see these big full-size, like your Galaxies, and your Chrysler Imperials, and sure. your Cadillacs. They were not, we did not have those dealerships here then. We had our Falcon by Ford, well, we had our Ford dealerships, our General Motors dealerships, and our Chrysler dealerships, but 90% of the time, 95% of the time, selling the Australian-based models under those brands, mm. which were a compact car, a little bit smaller than the full-size stuff you guys had in the States. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it's, we don't, uh, again, we don't fully appreciate that there are those differences for sure. And, and I, the Holden is a vehicle I have followed for probably 15, 20 years. It's a great vehicle. And I know there's uh, even a race series, correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, we've got, um, in the past over here in Australia, uh, the, uh, the the Utes, uh, 
that was more Holden and Falcon. So they went head on where their utilities, so we, mm-hmm. we call them well, like a pickup. Yeah. You know, the pickup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but apart from that, with our, uh, our, our motor racing over here, our, pardon me, our, our Bathurst event is the grand final. That's the pinnacle. That's the, the granddaddy of races, which goes around the world. And Bathurst has always been traditionally a Holden versus Ford type of ah, okay. uh, type of war. Okay. Um, so not just specifically Holden, no. But um, see, the way times have changed changed as well. With we're, we're not building our our Holden Commodore anymore. We're not making mm-hmm. our Ford Falcon anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that's uh, racing. That's another subject for another day. We we don't. We don't really know where that's going to go. It might end up being, uh, you know, Camaros and Mustangs racing around Bathurst. I mean, it could go that way because <laughs> right. we still we still want our V8s. We do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the that's the best invention ever made, the V8. You can't beat that. <laughs> uh, I, I once uh, had the, the Corvette on a quarter mile, and I was up against a, a Holden, and uh, I think it was a Holden HSV. Would that be right? Yeah, that's correct. And... Uh, Boy, I did not calculate that one correctly. That was a, no. it, it was heavily modified, but that car, I will, I'm not too, uh, I can say this as a man, it blew my doors in. I mean, a great driver, an experienced driver, but it was quick. What's interesting, uh, the last of the, the HSV and the Commodore, which was the 2016 model, uh, 2017 model, uh, were a 430-kilowatt car, which equates to 577 horsepower from the mm. factory. Mm-hmm. And uh, see uh, the LSA engine, uh, the Corvette engine used in the United States, mm-hmm. um, technically one of the most powerful production cars ever built here in Australia. The funny thing is we had the muscle car era in the early 70s that the government wanted to put a stop to. And we're, we're technically back, well, we were, you know, we kind of are now. We're, we're back in the muscle car era now, mm-hmm. and government couldn't care less about it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, you, you can see what's happening over here with, uh, with the Mopars and the Dodge Demon and everything else. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, the GT500. I mean, it's just it's getting to be unbelievable horsepower. Yeah, well, we had uh, we had 350 horsepower cars in the early 70s here, which for Australia was a big deal. We had our GTHO Falcon, which ran a 351 Cleveland. They ran about 350 horsepower uh, from the factory. Um, we had our, our six-cylinder Hemi Charger, which was around 305 horsepower from the factory with triple Weber carbies. Um, these cars were big deals back in the day because the the standard the other cars around were only half that power if they were lucky so these cars were streets ahead and they were fast cars mm-hmm. even today even today if your if your SUV you take the kids to school in if it's got three hundred and fifty horsepower man you've got a <laughs> you've got a bit of a you've got a mover there it's right? a grocery getter and yeah we're all these decades down the track so some people say oh the old cars weren't fast well the news flash is they were fast yeah. they were very fast for yeah. what they were. There's no two ways about that. And um, we actually had uh, the the power got taken away, the same with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the emissions rules came in, so then cars started getting lower compression ratios, doughier type, lower profile camshafts, mm-hmm. the power way. So, you know, then we went through that, that transition period of the 70s where cars weren't as powerful but then in some respects they got a little bit more luxurious here and there to try and 
make up for it, which was horrible because that made the cars heavier and even worse to drive. But <laughs> right. anyway, they floated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Now, do you have any personal uh, personal classics in your garage? Well, you know, being the host of Classic Restos is a, is a tough gig because you've got to kind of share the love a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, you, if you're just seen to be having one car and that's all you go on about, that kind of doesn't look too good. Um, I've got a soft spot for all my full-size American cars. So if someone says, what's your favorite car, the full-size American stuff, that's number one. So now that's across the, the big three. But mm -hmm. having said that, Darren, I, I can look at a... I can look at a, an old Stutz or a, a Cord or a, a Packard mm -hmm. or you know a, an old Buick or a, mm -hmm. and have an, an amazing appreciation for that vehicle. So I've got a, a little bit of a combination. I, I haven't got, I'll be honest, I haven't got a full-size American Ford uh, like a Galaxy, uh, but I do have a, a Cadillac and a few Mopars. Okay, um, okay. But, um, yeah, who's... who's uh, Who's, who's to say that maybe a, a Lincoln might not appear down the track one day? They're just, they're long and square and rectangular and, you know, there's bits and pieces poking <laughs> off everywhere in the shape and style. And I don't know. I, I don't know what they were thinking when they designed these things, but this is what I love about them. You know, a seven-liter engine to take one guy to work? <laughs> that's right. How does that, how do you work that? That's right, that's right. <laughs> Well, you need a you need a twenty foot long car <laughs> stuck stuck in rush hour in New York traffic to take one guy to work. Right, right. It doesn't quite there's, add there's up. Something, there's something about that that you guys in the United States are the only country in the world that did that. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yep, that's right. Well, you've talked us through from two thousand five. What is it that you're able to share? Would like to share. Um, What's next? Classic Restos, where does it go from here? Obviously, we're, we are so uh, in a world that's dominated by online and, and the presence there, the YouTube presence. You know, so what, what do you hope to grow into or uh, corners of the world have you yet to explore? Um, I think predominantly what, what can happen in my game, I guess, is uh, if there's one executive producer out there that realizes what you do, and they've got a project um, in the boardroom and they want Fletch to come and host that show. Um, that would be something that's always been in the back of my mind. That would be an interesting phone call to receive one day. Mm -hmm. um, a you know, cameo role, uh, a, sm a small movie part. I've always been fascinated in, in movies and how movies are filmed. Um, a small role there, I guess. Um, but look, in the meantime, Classic Restos, the kick that I get out of that, that's the closest I can get to making my own movie, is doing classic restos every right, week right. in a very small sense, but it still, you know, puts you in that uh, parameter, that realm of uh, uh, that, that type of feeling. So to come up with new content every week for classic restos, um, even at the moment with the, uh, with the with the COVID going on, uh, I'm still not going to be stopped because I've got over 600 episodes of old footage that I'm doing best of episodes ah. of. So that means, you know, swimming through all these shows, yeah. all this punishment that you've put yourself <laughs> through to, to watch my stuff. I've actually got to go and do that now. And then I've got new pieces in and around the old footage sure. uh, to do these best ofs. Now, I can sit here for another 12 months right here and, and do that from my yard right. if I have to. 
right. before we can get back out to a car show. So, uh, you know, if, and I try and make that as creative as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question, where does it go from here? I think maintain. Maintain what I've got mm-hmm. and keep on going. Other TV shows have come and gone in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can just uh, keep yourself going in this day and age, Darren, I, I think um, mission accomplished. Well, that's it. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of um, being relevant. It's uh, for me, and I, I hope my, my listeners truly know this, is that I always say this is their podcast and I just happen to be behind the wheel. It, I, I welcome their feedback, their input, uh, ideas of things they'd like shows about or people to interview or talk to. And for me, it's, it's very much uh, I want to – almost like a servant leadership, uh, just to, to be there to help guide it along. But it is them – it is your followers, it is my, my audience, my followers that make it so great to do what we do. And I am grateful every single day. Absolutely. And uh, even what you're doing is a fantastic thing too because you've got that diversity. It's the type of people, it's endless, the, the, the people that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so your, your stuff's never going to run out either. <laughs> well, and if, I mean, if you, if you do think you're running out, just ring me back. <laughs> That's right, vice versa. <laughs> Well, I just want, I want to say, I know you're an extremely busy guy. Here it is. It's 8.22 p.m. on a Wednesday night in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, USA. And in New South Wales, Australia, if I'm not mistaken, my math is correct, it's uh, 10.23 a.m. Thursday, the next day, correct? Absolutely, Darren. I haven't had breakfast yet. And that, that man needs some coffee. <laughs> well, look, I'd just like to uh, end in also thanking uh, a big thanks to Mike Garland, the, uh, yes. the media guy, if I can, for, for Carlisle Events. Uh, Mike has also been an integral part of, uh, of being a, a massive help uh, for Fletch and Classic Restos yes, over the has. year as well. So, yes, uh, or should I say, over the, over the many years, not mm-hmm. over the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, Mike played an integral part of hooking us up as well for your podcast. So, yes. I, I want to thank Mike for that as well. Well, that's a very gentlemanly thing to do, and I'd like to underscore that and also extend my thanks to Mike Garland too because he did indeed make that connection. And uh, what an honor it's been to, to get to know you through email and a previous call, and then now you're giving generously of your time. Uh, Fletch, thank you so very, very much, and I hope to see you and Donna stateside when this all lifts and, and we're all back to traveling. Absolutely, Darren. I'd like to think this is the beginning of a uh, of a long association between us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, to to chat to you in your podcast, and uh, yeah, you you run with what you've got as well, mate. You keep up your great work. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Back Cubers can't wait to have Fletch come back stateside and visit and to hang out at, at any and all maybe of the nine car shows at the Carlisle Fairgrounds. So, be sure to check out his classic restos program. I can tell you I watch it on YouTube all the time. It's a lot of fun. So Fletch, can't wait to talk to you again soon. This week's trivia question. I had asked at the beginning of the show, what is the name of the car brand that formerly manufactured vehicles in Australia? And the hint I gave is that a major U.S. car manufacturer is heavily involved. The answer is Holden, and they are headquartered in Port Melbourne, Australia. Holden, which is, uh, was formerly known as General Motors Holden, is an Australian automobile mark. It's a former automobile manufacturer, and they have manufactured cars in Australia before switching to the business of importing cars 
under that Holden brand. Some of those brands that uh, they've produced models, they've had Nissan-based models, Opel-based models, Toyota-based models, of course, Chevrolet-based models, Daewoo, Isuzu, and Suzuki. I talked earlier in the show, too, about the Courage Car Show. Be sure to check that out. You have an opportunity to join perhaps hundreds of other car fans and car owners who will definitely be showcasing their cars online in this virtual car show. And I know there are quite a few out there now, particularly because of the pandemic, but you won't want to miss this one. So go to carsofcarlisle.com, click on the license plate in the upper left page of the main splash, and you take it from there. So can't wait to have you come back over for next week's show featuring a cast member from the 1983 film Christine. And so for our friends and fans in Brazil and Portugal, I'll wish you a great week and say, Dirija bem, fuque bem, cuide mese, or drive well, be well, take care. <laughs>